0: How is it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined by Ben Gorwitz on Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Ben, I know this is our second podcast of October, but this is our first podcast with October baseball. How excited are you?
1: I'm very excited. As most people know, baseball is my favorite sport. It's nothing like playoff baseball, man. It's it's so incredible. It's so great. And it starts off with unbelievable wild card matchups.
0: Yeah, exactly, Ben. Nothing like playoff baseball. You play 162 games all for these big moments. And I feel like baseball, the moments are bigger, too, because there's so much time in between each pitch and whatnot. And that bats can take forever, you know, little moments in the game. So there's just so much going into it that makes it more suspenseful and makes it awesome. I mean, like Ben said, there's nothing like playoff baseball. But as he also did say, we have two crazy wild card matchups coming up. One first one starting tonight will be the Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. Ben, who do you think is advancing from this one?
1: I like the Red Sox. I like the fact that they're a home dog. Um, Key injuries for both teams. So DJ LeMayu is still going to be out for the Yankees, starting second baseman slash first baseman. He kind of plays both for them. Um, and then J.D. Martinez, who's an outfielder slash D.H. for the Red Sox. He's going to be out with an ankle injury. It's Garrett Cole for the Yankees. It's uh, Nathan Evaldi, uh, or Evaldi from the Red Sox Both absolute flamethrowers. If you like fastballs in the triple digits, both of these guys will throw 100 miles per hour tonight. I get that Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole to me is the consensus number two pitcher in baseball. Uh, he's also the second best pitcher in New York. I still think DeGrom's the best. But people act like Garrett Cole is, like, untouchable for some odd reason. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of people that are like, oh, like the Yankees tonight because they have Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole doesn't have success pitching at Fenway Park. His last four starts, his ERA is over four. uh, Got lit up his last start. He's very, very touchable uh, in the game of baseball. He's just very good. So I don't think just pitching Garrett Cole gives the Yankees the distinct advantage. I think both of these teams aren't great, to be honest with you, but I also think both are very capable of going far based on expectations. It's it's weird, man. I, I'm taking the Red Sox in a bet tonight. I got their money line. Um, it's Same. also a free it's also a free bet that I'm using, so technically it's risk it's risk free for me.
0: Nothing better um, than that.
1: But, but I like the Red Sox regardless. A home dog and a playoff game, rivalry like this. I, I'll take the home dog.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely, Ben. And a lot of the reasons you said, Garrett Cole, the four times he's faced the Red Sox this season, he's two and two, giving up thirteen runs in twenty-two innings. He's one and two this season in Fenway Park with a six point one nine ERA. Um, he's five and thirteen in his last six September starts with a six. Um, we're with a six point one five ERA in the last five, and a seven point six four in the last three. And ain't pretty yeah exactly so that's just does that to tell you garrett cole's trending down look garrett cole's been trending down ever since baseball started to step in what was the substance they were saying players were using was it pine tar
1: it was uh spider tech
0: that's right ever since they started checking everybody for spider Tech, he was one of the worst pitchers due to a regression in the entire mlb i mean he literally went from the best pitcher in the mlb to a seven ERA, like we just said so pretty bad there. Evaldi, he got shelled his last outing versus the, versus the Yankees, but he has pitched decently well against them. So I expect him to regress. So as you said, Ben, we're going to go with the underdog here, a home dog in the playoffs, man, in an elimination game. Fuck you got to take it, but this is awesome, man. You get Red Sox, Yankees, the best rivalry in the entire sport tonight in prime time, you know, on in MLB playoffs. I mean, how much better can it get that it makes for an amazing postseason.
1: Yeah. I also think the Red Sox have a managerial advantage. Uh, I, I think a lot of Yankees fans will even admit that they are not big fans of Aaron Boone. Mm -hmm. I think if the Yankees lose tonight, Aaron Boone has a very good chance to lose his job because the expectations are so high for the Yankees and Boston brought back Alex Cora, who had tremendous success with them. Originally went to the Astros and yeah, there's a little bit of an asterisk, but he was a great coach, great bench coach for the Astros as well when they were uh, quote unquote cheating. So he's a guy that sustained a lot of success Uh, Aaron Boone's success comes off like a pinch hit home run for the Yankees back in 2000 something. Uh, He doesn't have much success as a manager in pinstripes yet. Plus, I just I just don't like New York.
0: Yeah, I'm with you too on that one. I don't like New York sports at all. Although I do like playing the Knicks in the playoffs. It's basically a free pass for the first round. Gotta love that. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the second wildcard matchup and then we'll get into the divisional matchups and who Ben and I like to go to the World Series and win and why. Um, Let's talk about here, we have the piping hot St. Louis Cardinals on the road at the Dodgers. Ben, who do you think is going to win this one and why?
1: I know the Dodgers have battled some injuries recently uh kershaw is now going to miss the playoffs that might be an advantage or a disadvantage for other <laughs> teams since his history is not great but uh max muncie's been a little banged up and he's missing else the is,
0: game for sure
1: he is missing the game um, and then i think someone else is banged up and is expected to play i still don't think it matters what's crazy is the dodgers are the betting world series favorite and they're in the wild card game it's a winner go home game and they're still the favorite. Just by that logic, I'm going to take the Dodgers to win this game. Uh, I mean, Scherzer's going to be on the hill. Really, not that many. It's a very short list of pitchers I'd rather have other than Scherzer to pitch in a winner go home game. Honestly, he might be right behind DeGrom. The dude's an, an absolute animal on the mound. I, I just think the Dodgers are too much, man. It's even without a couple injuries, even Bellinger's been struggling. The fact that he's been to the postseason, it's probably three or four times now already. Just he could just light it up whenever. Um, you know, one of my favorite players on this team. I can, I know that I can call him my favorite because he's not going to be on there next year. is Corey Seager. I don't think he'll be a Dodger next year. The fact that they brought in Trey Turner, he was the World Series MVP. And, it, this lineup's just so deep. The pitching's so deep. I will say this: the Cardinals are not to be slept on. I saw a wild stat that the last time they uh, made the playoffs as a wild card, they had the exact same record on the road as they do this year, and they went to the World Series last year, if you believe in that kind of magic. You mentioned that they're the hottest team, one of the hottest teams in baseball they were for a long time. I think they won 16 in a row, lost one, and then won that next game. So the losing streak stopped them one. It's not a team you want to play in a winner go home game, but I still think even though Wainwright has pitched very, very well, there's a big advantage between pitching Wainwright versus Scherzer, I'm going to go Scherzer every time.
0: Yeah, and you know, I do love how Adam Wainwright has pitched in many big games in the past and he has come up big for him many times. But, I mean, Max Scherzer's been absolutely lights out since he went to the Dodgers. He's 7-0 and with like a one ERA. I mean, he's absolutely untouchable. And Max Scherzer's a guy, too, who has won a World Series ring. In my opinion, when I look back at this era of the last 10 years of baseball that I watched, Max Scherzer and him and Kershaw are the two best pitchers. I would go Scherzer over Kershaw. And that's just because Scherzer was able to win a World Series in that era. And also, I mean, these two guys are, like you said, these are two of the best pitchers we've seen, and they won't have Kershaw. I mean, Wainwright, though, he's definitely been there before. I haven't officially decided what I'm going to bet on this game. I really think the price is pretty high on the Cardinals. I thro- Honestly, though, I don't think I'm going to take it. The Dodgers are probably going to win this game, in my opinion. That's who I'm going to pick for the podcast, the Dodgers, to win. I mean, it just makes too much sense. Like you said, they're just way more stacked than the Cardinals are. Also, the Dodgers finished the season 9-1 and over their last 10 games, really trying to get that first place. They turned it on down the stretch of the season and really put it on the on the Giants, the Giants that were able to keep up with them. Um, ultimately, though, I think it comes down to that. I'll probably end up doing a Ben Gorowitz special. I hate betting first five innings, but in a playoff game like this, I'll probably go first five innings under just because, yeah. you know, you have two good pitchers.
1: It's not a bad call. Um, I, I'm going to kind of do like a, dive, a deep dive research. I might look into Dodgers hitters, what they're hitting off Wainwright, because I might look for a Dodgers team total over, you know, something something along those lines. Uh, but I, I don't have a – I mean, I haven't locked in a play right now. Same. But uh, I, I'm a- –
0: Ben, are you still there? I think I lost my Wi-Fi for a second. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I'm good.
0: Okay, there we go. There we go. I think my uh, Wi-Fi dropped real quick right there, but we're hey, we're back now. Everything's good. Um, anyway, what were you saying though?
1: I, I just, you know, it's it's tough to pick against the Dodgers. The fact that they even, I would be, I'd feel comfortable with the Dodgers even if Walker Buehler had to pitch
0: in this game yeah exactly walker buehler i mean might win this or NL, but... urias, or yeah, urias. Exactly. i'm pretty sure urias leads the nl and win so there you go pick your poison with the dodgers at this point let's talk about our other matchups we have so we will have our winner of the dodgers and the cardinals playing the san francisco giants who will have home field ben who do you like in this who do you like do you like the giants to advance or do you like the winner of this wild card
1: man it's it's crazy uh I'm expected to get Giants-Dodgers and these two teams have played each other a whole lot this season. They know each other very well. I'm not going to pick against the Dodgers. I want to. I know it's a square pick, but they're just that good. and uh, I'm going to pick them all the way to reach the World Series. I think they're the best team in the National League. Even with a couple injuries, I still think they're the best team. Nothing to take away from the Giants. It is so impressive what they were able to do in the regular season. Not only did they... uh you know, grab the lead at one point and basically hold it for the rest of the year. They lost it, then regained it. They won, what was it, 105? How many? They won uh, 107 107 wins. That's so impressive. Uh, Even if you don't win the World Series, winning 107 wins is something to be very proud of, especially when you're projected to not make the playoffs by pretty much everyone. I, I think even local radio in San Francisco probably didn't have this team Winning 100 games, so um, I'm going to pick the Dodgers to to beat the Giants in that second round, assuming the Dodgers uh, can get past the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on this one as well, Ben. I just feel like the Dodgers or the Giants are a great regular season story. This team played hard, but in the postseason, this is where the teams like the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers proved it down the stretch. The Giants had like a five-game lead at one point in time and they finished one game back from them. I mean, the Dodgers literally refused to lose down the stretch of this last season. I think that it's kind of the similar thing here. Again, in the playoffs, they will refuse to lose. I mean, like we just said, this rotation's absolutely stacked. This batting order, the fact they have Trey Turner in there now is just that much more stacked. I think it's going to come down to probably the last game, game five, but I think ultimately the Dodgers will get out of there and get it done. Um, Next series we got to touch on here is we'll go back. Actually, no, we'll stay in the NL, and we'll go with our hometown Atlanta Braves. They play the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers will have home field in this one. Ben, I think I already know what you're going to say, but who you got?
1: So this is a great matchup. I think they split regular season. I want to say they went two and two against each other head-to-head. Uh, The Brewers had three starting pitchers that made the all-star team. Um, Two of them have been lights out all season long. Corbin Burns and uh, Brandon Woodruff, they've been absolute studs. But Freddie Peralta has been great. The Braves' one-two punch, at least their one-two punch, I'll match that up against anyone. You have uh, Charlie Morton who's going to go game one. I would assume it's Woodruff, but I'm not sure for the Brewers. Charlie Morton has just about as much playoff appearances and success as anyone that's in the playoffs. I mean, he was in the World Series last year heading up the Rays rotation. He's now heading up the Braves rotation. He's absolutely earned that one spot. And the Braves rotation spot number two, it's going to be Max Fried, the lefty, who just won National League Pitcher of the Month. He's been the hottest pitcher in baseball since the Star break, sub-two ERA. I, I'm a believer in the Braves that they can hit anyone's fastball. Corbin Burns and Woodruff have powerful fastballs, very overpowering. The Braves, what I want them to do is be more patient at the plate. I think if if you zone in on the, on the fastballs at the top of the zone, but not chase them, you know the 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 Brewers pitchers like to get you out of the zone with their fastballs. to Chase them. I think the Brewers should be, and they are the favorite of the series, not just because of the home field advantage. I do think uh, slightly better. I think their bullpen is is phenomenal, even without mm-hmm. Devin Williams. Um, I think the rotation's phenomenal, but I do think the Braves can stack up against anyone. You know me, I'm not picking against the Braves in anything because I actually believe that they win this series. Braves in four.
0: Ben, I agree. Um, I'll definitely be in attendance for one of these two games. Back in Atlanta, I haven't decided which one I'm going to go to. It really just depends on what time they are because I have to work, obviously, during the day. But I agree. I think them not having Devin Williams is absolutely massive. This Brewers team has great pitching. They're hitting... I don't think it's as good. I feel like this team really won off having a great pitching staff. Look, like you said, the Braves have three starters they can put up against anyone. I think Ian Anderson, after he gets out of that first inning every single time, is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's still young. Mm-hmm. That playoff and, yeah, he's been there before. I just think this Braves team, after everything they had to fight through to get up to be 500 and to get in these playoffs, nobody earned it or wanted it as much as we did. I just feel like we're the better team here. Don't get me wrong, we have a worse record, but I think we're really the better team here, and the Braves will find a way to get to that next round. I think that Austin Riley and Freddie Freeman – I just feel like this is their team, man. They've taken over. Freddie started out the season obviously horribly or else he'd probably be National League MVP. But Austin Riley has really been the one solid guy all season long for the Braves. And I think that here in these playoffs, he's going to kind of show, didn't didn't Riley get snubbed from the all-star team?
1: Riley did not make the all-star team.
0: That's what I thought. Yeah, he got snubbed from the all-star team. It's time for him to take out his revenge and say, I should have been on this all-star team. He's going to come out pissed off. This is the series I like the Braves to get past them to the second round.
1: Yeah. And you know what the last thing I'll point out is like, you know, everyone and everyone was right saying how Mm -hmm. bad the division was, you know, this year, but let's not act like this was close. The Braves ended up winning this division by six and a half games. I'm not going to call a six and a half division winner division lead being close because six and a half games is not close. So listen, as you said, and I agree with you, the Braves absolutely earned this uh, division winner, division lead. They've earned the right to not, you know, to, to play the to the play the Brewers and not to have to play in a wild card game because this division wasn't getting a wild card. Six and a half games. You tell me if you think that's close or not.
0: Not even a close, not even a sweat down the stretch. I know you knew the Phillies and the Mets would crumble because we're their daddy, like I said earlier this season on the podcast. It's just a fact. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to be a fun, fun way to see everything plays out in the NL. We'll get to our uh, World Series picks here in a little bit, but – we got to go back over to the AL. Now we have the one seat Tampa Bay Rays who won exactly 100 games on the nose, and they will take on the winner of this Boston, New York series. Look, Ben, I don't think it matters who won this series. The Rays whooped both these teams' asses up and down the field all season long. I expect nothing less. I expect the Rays to get done with either team in three games. I don't even think it'll be a sweat for them. This Tampa team, not only do they have nasty pitching, but I think this is the best lineup they've had yet. They have all the young, young, young stars that nobody knows about. Obviously people know who Randy or Rosa is just because what he did last postseason. Obviously, everyone knows who Walter Franco is because he's the hyped-up prospect. But don't sleep on guys like Brandon Lau, Heyman Choi. Um, They even have Nelson Cruz now on this team. I mean, there's so many guys. Joey Wendell. Um, Yandy Diaz I mean this team is all these guys they somehow know the right lineup to put in against the right pitcher they have thousands of guys they even have one of the best fielders in baseball in center field with Kevin Kiermaier who catches everything somehow I mean this team and this pitching they're, they're just so good I'm, I will say I'm a clown for this I picked them to miss the playoffs I felt like they lost too much I mean they even lost glass now their ace and still were not phased at all the Rays whooped everyone's ass all regular season I don't think any of it stops now Rays win in three
1: Man, it's what they do, and it's, it's crazy. Um, they've already announced their pitchers for the, for the series, whether they face the Yankees or Red Sox, it's not changing for them. The three guys they listed out, they have a combined zero starts in the postseason, and it doesn't matter. If for some reason, this organization has figured out the key to success, and they've unlocked the door to it. They – listen to this. So their major league team, you know, the, the Rays – won the division. Their triple A team won the won the championship. Their double A team lost to the Mississippi Braves. Actually, shout out Mississippi Braves. Their single A team won the championship and their high A or rookie ball team won the championship. Their organization knows success and they know how to get it done with a very, very small budget, even in a stadium where most of their fans don't care about them. It will be packed for the uh, postseason, even if it's a lot of away fans that same it'll be loud it'll be energetic they don't care they don't care how many people are at their games they don't care how many people doubt them they don't care if you don't know you know if their pitchers don't have any playoff experience they just win it's amazing how they can just win I'm not picking against them because they're going to play in division like I said with the Dodgers Giants these two teams know each other very well as you mentioned they've had a ton of success against both organizations it's it's the race for me
0: love it ben love how we both you know came to that same conclusion i think it's pretty obvious in this one the tampa bays are so much better um now in the central yeah by the way i will say this too we don't have all the chalk we both picked the wild card to advance in the in the nl and we picked the lower seed and then now over here we're going with the chalk so you know we're not Hey, hey, it's just like, it's just like what I picked Lakers nets for the NBA playoffs. I technically picked the two seed to play the seven. So it's not all shock. Anyway, let's come over here where we have the central and the West, which is the Astros versus the White Sox. I'll start out with this one as well. Look, Ben pointed it out to me about midseason. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together, but he helped me put two and two together. The White Sox beat up on the Indians 80 and 82, the Tigers 70 and 85, the Royals 74 and 88, and the Twins 73 and 89. Look, none of those teams are abysmal, but what have all those teams have in, have in common is they all have losing records and play in their division. They beat up on those teams all season long. That's what the White Sox did. Look, outside after. Honestly, after Lance Lynn, I don't know about if I trust any of these starting pitchers. I'm not a huge fan of D- Dallas Keuchel. He gets hit all the time, especially the Astros. That's just the type of guy the Astros just absolutely shell. The Astros also dominated them in the regular season. And the Astros are the best team in baseball, them in Tampa Bay, when playing against winning teams. And then the Giants, those are the three best teams in baseball season against winning teams. This Astros team, as much as we hate them, they've done it many times. They did it with the with the, everything on their shoulders last year, which was kind of like an FU to everyone in baseball the fact they got in the playoffs and made the run they did I expect nothing but the same we're gonna get a rematch once again Astros versus Tampa Bay I'm pretty confident that the Astros do away with the White Sox quick
1: yeah I mean Giolito is uh he's a guy that has some overpowering stuff but man he can get lit up occasionally then Dylan Cease is another guy uh, from our area um mm-hmm. you know he's a guy overpowering fastball but he, he's not he doesn't have it all together he kind of walk a couple people. The only thing that I'll say on the series, because I do agree with you that the Astros, uh, I like the Astros in, the, in in this metro. If the Astros start a lefty, it is an automatic bet on the White Sox. Automatic. So that means if game five, if the Astros are throwing a lefty, you can switch me back over from the Astros to the White Sox. If a lefty is on the mound, I am automatically on the White Sox. My, my betting account already knows that. We're, we're in sync. It, it puts the bet in automatically for me if they're <laughs> facing a lefty.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to second that one as well. But, yes, okay, so we're both on the same page in the AL and in the NL. Let's uh, – so, Ben, go ahead and tell us, man, who you got playing in the World Series and who's winning.
1: <sighs> Astros versus the Dodgers. And I think – the Dodgers win. I mean, what am I doing here? I mean, listen. You add Scherzer and Turner to a lineup that's already stacked. Muncy, assume. Listen, I think the the Dodgers get past the Cardinals. Muncy should be back at some point during that second series, which would, they would end up playing the Giants. Uh, Mookie Betts is fully healthy and back now. Trey Turner is healthy. Justin Turner, the postseason machine, is 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 there in the middle of their lineup. There's just too much, man. I you know. There's just too much. The bullpen's pitching uh, well. Kenley Jansen's back on track for them. It's There's too much there. I I hate picking them, but I would rather pick them and be wrong than not pick them when it was so obvious to pick them. So I'm going to go Dodgers to Astros, which would be a repeat of a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, as much as I hate it, I'm actually going to go with the Dodgers versus the Rays, and I'm going to go with the rematch here. I just think this Rays lineup is young, talented, and stacked. Kevin Cash seems to always have the formula to beat up on everybody. I think it's going to be a tight series. I think it's a seven-game series. I just feel like the Rays back at the Trop in a Game Seven. I just can't pass that opportunity up. At the same time, like you said, you got to take the Dodgers, and I'm what—it's not even a debate. I got the Dodgers winning it all. As much as I hate it, and I probably pick the Dodgers to win the World Series the last seven years in a row. I'm going to have to just go back to the well again, you know, they're way too stacked. I mean, like you said, how do you add Trey Turner and Scherzer two of probably the top 25 best players in the entire sport? It's just not fair that you add both them to your team.
1: They're the betting favorite in a game that if they lose one game, they're out of the entire playoffs. They're the betting favorite to win it all. It's got to mean something.
0: I agree. I also don't think there's value though in betting them yet to win the world series. No, that could be. There's not. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's insane. Anyway, to a sport that is still very wide open, let's go to the wild and crazy world of college football, as we always do at this time. Ben, as always, it was a wild and crazy weekend. We had five of the top 12 teams go down in shocking fashion. I mean, Florida yeah. outgains Kentucky by 200 yards and still loses the game. It was almost kind of funny. They In the postgame interview, they asked Dan Molden, do you think you got outcoached here? I mean, no coach wants to hear that question, let alone Dan Mullen throws his hands up. I mean, we outgained him by 200 yards in his Southern accent. It was actually hilarious listening to him say that. But, I mean, you have Florida go down. We have Oregon go down. Notre Dame go down. Um, Who else am I missing right now? Um, I don't know who else I'm missing off the top of my head anyway. Let's talk about the biggest one going down here, and that is the Oregon Ducks, Ben. What happened to Oregon, and do you think that they will have a chance to get back in, or is their chances dead?
1: You remember when I texted you uh, after we recorded before this week? I said, everyone expects Oregon to run the table because there's not many big names left. Mm-hmm. That's where you get caught slipping in college football. You have to take it week to week. Stanford was very prepared to come in this game. I like Stanford at plus eight at home, uh, double-digit dog at home. I, I typically take those. I did not this week. Kind of mad at myself. I don't consider myself a handicapper. I know that you do. That's why you tweet out your picks, and I don't. I have been very cold in college football. It's because it's I, haven't with, I haven't st- stuck with my gut. Stanford was my gut. Listen, I never was that excited about Anthony Brown playing quarterback at Oregon. I don't think he's a difference maker for them. I think the, mm-hmm. the athletes they have on defense, the playmakers around Anthony Brown, the fact that he's the type of quarterback that limits mistakes, helps them. C.J. Verdell, their top running back, went out in this game, and their offense was not explosive anymore. It, mm-hmm. You take away the running game, and Anthony Brown cannot win a game with his arm if it's just his arm. He's a good runner. He's got a good run game. He throws accurate passes, but he's got to throw the ball downfield. It just didn't work, and they got caught slipping on the road in a, in a conference play. To answer your second part, I still think Oregon had I don't think like their seasons just you're going to run it off and they're out of it. They still have one of the best wins in college football, which is at Ohio State. I know Ohio State hasn't looked great week to week, but they're starting to look better and better. Ohio State, I know Iowa is undefeated, I know Penn State's undefeated. They play each other this week. I know Michigan's undefeated. Ohio State, if you ask me, is still the favorite to win the Big Ten. Always does, will start to knock each other out starting this week. Iowa and Penn State, one of them will not be undefeated anymore. I think if you play Ohio State once again, I don't. Big 10. If Ohio State wins the Big 10, that helps Oregon's chances as long as they win the Pact well.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely, Ben. There's still a lot to play out here. Oregon definitely should have the tiebreaker over Ohio State if it comes down to it. Look, should they definitely the
1: should? Big 10 championship will be a lot more valuable than the PAC 12 championship because of the teams.
0: No, I do agree with that. Now that is a, that is a very good point you made right there. Both teams still have, or I guess Ohio state really has some hard games left. Iowa and Penn state obviously play each other this week, as you alluded to. Look at the end of the day, I think we're going to be in a situation where everyone, including either Georgia or Alabama has one loss, Georgia and Alabama will have to play each other. That'll be the one blemish for each other. And look, I think there's absolutely if the if the committee's goal is to get the best four teams in there, I think there's no way that they don't not give another chance to Georgia or Alabama whoever loses. I think you have to put them in there if they're only losses in the SEC championship. I think there's no way you leave them out. I think it's absolutely ridiculous yeah. if you do.
1: And they won't go and they if they're one and two playing in the SEC championship, let's say Georgia's two just cuz that's how it is now. If Georgia loses they're not going to go to four, no, because that means you get the rematch in the semifinal. They don't want their, they don't want rematches in back-to-back weeks. So mm-hmm. if Georgia and Bam are undefeated going into the ST championship, you can pretty much boycott the game. It literally has no meaning at all. The loser yeah. goes, to, the loser goes to three.
0: No, that actually that is a very good point, Ben. The game will have no meaning at all for sure. The set. My second point is here that I make is I think that at the end of the day that Oregon is still going to have a leg up here because if Ohio State runs the table and wins the Big Ten and wins out here, even if Ohio State (laughs) with two losses wins the Big Ten, they're going to have that to hold over their head that they are able to beat Ohio State, which is huge. So in the past, if a Pac-12 team is one loss, we usually wrote them off. I think Oregon still has a chance because of that one reason. I don't know if anyone else in the Pac-12 still has a chance at being one loss. But <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure they already have two losses. But Oregon's the only one that I would be able to take in there regardless. Next thing I'm going to say is – Arizona
1: State does have one loss, and they just absolutely demolished UCLA.
0: I mean, if, if Arizona State's able to somehow run the table here, I wouldn't be shocked to see a one-loss Arizona State get in there either. But probably not going to end up happening. We'll just go ahead and well, see yeah, that.
1: Their losses at BYU – It's not terrible.
0: It's
1: not, but it doesn't. It doesn't rank up as a win at Ohio State.
0: No, I do agree with that now. But I mean, they would obviously have to beat Oregon in order to win the Pac-12. So, I I think there's still going to be another blemish on their schedule. But anyway, the one team that we haven't talked about yet who does have a chance at making a statement here is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Look, my team. Ben picked Cincinnati to stay undefeated. Unfortunately, I picked Notre Dame. I will say this: I think if Jack Cohn could have stayed in the game, we would have had a good chance. Um, they had some timely turnovers, but look, you can't blame any of that on Cincinnati. They've done their job. They've done everything they had to do. People are keep trying to say, Oh, well, Indiana, I mean, Indiana was a top 25 team when the season started. That's basically all the people who, who did the college football polls to start the season off, calling themselves idiots by just counting Cincinnati. I think you have to look at Cincinnati as doing what they do, which is going undefeated. Now there has been group of five teams in the past that have been able to do what Cincinnati does where they beat FBS opponents I think it was East Carolina, and then they turn around and lose to a team that's in that conference and that completely wipes out their chances. I think the Cincinnati team's different, though. I think they have a chance to run the table, and I really do think at the end of the day in the state everything's in. I mean, Penn State and Ohio State and Iowa are for sure going to lose. Out of those teams, only one of those teams is a shot to go with one loss. Oregon's going to have at least one loss, we know so far. Oklahoma obviously hasn't lost yet. Hard to believe they go through the season without a loss. I feel like at the end of the day that if everybody has one loss, except for one team, you got to put Cincinnati in there, man. I just feel like Cincinnati, they've done their job. I mean, it's not their fault. I mean, I believe they are joining the big 12 in like two years. It's not their fault that they're not there yet. They went ahead. They scheduled Notre Dame. Who's usually a juggernaut. They went ahead and scheduled Indiana, who was a top 25 team last year. I believe they were a top 12 team last year. They scheduled a good Indiana team. I mean, they've done their job, put them in. They won
1: at Notre Dame too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's impressive. I don't care how good the Notre Dame team is; it's still at Notre Dame. That was that was the biggest game in their program history, and they showed up and dominated. I, the score wasn't even indication of
0: how I much agree.
1: how much Cincinnati outplayed Notre Dame. And I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play. There's like tougher games left. Um, so Central Florida is not that good this year. So I'll go at Tulane. And then home against SMU, those are pretty much their two kind of gotcha games that, that could get them left. But listen, mm. they're as real as real guests. Their defense is going to have a lot of guys drafted to the NFL within the next two years. Um, their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is, he's very good for college football. I don't know where he'll end up in the NFL, but he's very good. He does his role very well. He knows when to escape the pocket. He runs hard. Listen, he talked the talk. He said, uh, you know, Someone asked him. I think the offensive coordinator was telling him it's going to be loud at Notre Dame. He said it won't be loud for very long. I mean, he he played very well in that game. You should be impressed with Desmond Ritter. He did it last year, uh, and he's doing it again this year. And Luke Fickle's a tremendous coach. They have tremendous assets in in uh, in terms of players that fit Luke Fickle. They obviously love playing for him. They play hard every week. I I think if Cincinnati's undefeated, and Coastal Carolina is another team that kind of had an outside window chance this year. I'm just I'm looking at their schedule now it doesn't even come close to ranking up against Cincinnati's. Cincinnati has a very good chance if they're undefeated because I don't think if Oklahoma has one loss and wins the Big 12, I don't think their resume stacks up against Cincinnati's. If if Cincinnati's undefeated, the Big 12 is not doing many favors for Oklahoma's resume. The the Big 10 looks good for now for Ohio State's resume if they went out but it's going to beat each other up. The Pac-12 is not doing Oregon many favors. It is what it is at this point. The SEC is getting two teams in. Um, Cincinnati's got a very good chance, in my opinion. But they got to win out.
0: Yeah, they definitely have to win out. Cincinnati has one loss. They can kiss their dreams goodbye. But I agree, Ben. I think an undefeated Cincinnati team's got to get in there. The only thing that makes it tricky, though, is if Oklahoma runs the table and stays undefeated. But... We got a huge game coming up. I'm gonna go ahead and do to it a little bit. What were, you, what were you about to say, Ben?
1: Like I don't want to. I, I mean, the the American Athletic Conference, which is what Cincinnati's is in, is not a bad conference at all. Not at all. I mean, you have SMU is currently five and zero. They are ranked number twenty four. They beat TCU two, as well. They beat TCU. Good point. You have four and one Houston. You have a Memphis team who's only three and two, but they could upset a lot of teams.
0: They beat East Carolina
1: not a East Carolina is not a bad program. So I mean, it's it's not a bad conference that you can really say that this is just as good as the pac 12
0: no, and the I, big 12. I agree with you completely, Ben. I don't think it's going to be an easy road either. I mean, that's, that Cincinnati SMU game. That'll be a great game to watch. I mean, that'll honestly, that game, I might get college game day. I mean, that's going to be a crazy matchup. So if
1: they're both undefeated going into it,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be sick. I think a couple of years ago we had SMU versus Memphis where they both undefeated and they got college game day, which was kind of a sick matchup. So yeah, it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out with that. Um, Ma- absolutely massive weekend of college football coming up this weekend. We have a huge one. I can't wait. By the way, the two top 10 teams that lost that we, or that we forgot about was Ole Miss and Arkansas just didn't think about it because those games were so uncompetitive and they're un- probably ranked with well, those two teams play each other this week, just to add to how awesome that this week's I mean, this, honestly, I said last week would be the best weekend of college football of the year. I think I lied. I think it might be this weekend. So we have an absolutely just awesome matchups all across the board. Hopefully they're more competitive as I was extremely disappointed in the lack of competitive. It was kind of funny, Ben, we watched college football from 12 o'clock until probably I went to, I couldn't make it through the whole Arizona state game. I went to bed in the third quarter, but Think about it. We watched college football all day, and it took until 9 p.m. to get a competitive game when we got LSU and Auburn. I mean, it took till 9 freaking p.m. to get a competitive game. I was making that joke to somebody else. It was the most disappointingly, potentially huge day of college football there's been in a while. So, anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, not great, but,
0: you yeah. know, well,
1: since then, in their name, I guess the score was competitive, but the game.
0: Yeah. The Notre game was... didn't
1: really move the football.
0: Yeah, and once Jack Cone went out, you knew it was game over. But, I mean, the game was already over by the time he got went out anyway. They picked him off in the end zone on the first drive. But, anyway, let's talk, talk about a little NFL here. So, Ben, there's lots of big storylines. I guess we'll start out with the biggest one in the sport that has grown even larger today. <laughs> Former Ohio State head coach, current Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer, was caught in a bar with a girl dancing on him. Um, this is wrong Not for a lot life. of reasons yeah not his wife this is wrong for a lot of reasons first off your team just lost on sunday and you're out at a bar getting drunk with college girls dancing on you no, and love, you're married yeah on
1: thursday, yeah, on were, thursday. thursday
0: night yeah. yeah yeah that's what i meant thursday night and i mean is it, you have a you have a wife and you're supposed to be the leader of men it just looked bad in general to start out with that i'm gonna start off with that my next thing is going to be This is something for you to think about, Ben. I haven't told anybody I've been thinking about this one. I haven't paid attention, so I hope no one else said it because I'd like to think that I'm the originator of this. Is this Urban Meyer's way of forcing his way out of Jacksonville without completely quitting on the team? in moving on to USC. I don't know if you've heard that theory or not, but it very well could because, I mean, that just feels absolutely reckless in seeing him do it. Obviously you hear rumors of all kinds of college football coaches doing that with college girls, but you don't see it that openly like that, as Urban Meyer was. Now, who knows? He could have been pretty drunk, but, I mean, that just seemed reckless. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think we both agreed that we thought Urban Meyer was the wrong hire in Jacksonville. We both felt like, you know, it could work out, but the probability of it not working is too much. And, at the end of the day, I just don't think he's the right guy there in Jacksonville. I think there's a lot of turmoil. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to win. And quite frankly, the defense sucks. So literally, this team is Trevor Lawrence is solid, James Robinson solid, the receivers are solid. The offensive line and defense is absolutely horrible. It's pretty hard for a guy like Urban Meyer who has almost no NFL experience to succeed with that. It's just a tough situation. And I feel bad for Urban Meyer. You know, it was wrong place, wrong time that he get got exposed like that. Don't but at feel the same bad. time, don't feel bad for him. It's just don't foolish. ever feel
1: bad for him. <laughs> Do not ever feel bad for that man. He makes his own decisions. He's a grown man. He's always been a scumbag. He still is a scumbag. That's who he is. Great yeah. college football coach. If he wants to return to college football, wherever he goes, that program will immediately be very, very good. because He knows how to coach in college. But he's a scumbag of a, of a human being. Um, I was listening to the Pat McAfee show today. It's uh, Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk. Two former NFL players, two former very, very good NFL players. Pat McAfee had asked A.J. Hawk, have you ever seen a coach not get back on the charter plane? Both of their answers were no. Now, Pat McAfee said, I have seen players ask coaches, hey, do I have permission to, you know, if you have family, this and that. Mm -hmm. Pat McAfee told a funny story that I won't share here uh, about him getting off a team plane one time after a Thursday night game uh, as a player. But they have both said they've never seen a coach do this. So that makes Urban Meyer a first. You don't want to be a first in anything in in that category. Number two, when he was not coaching, when he took the year off to, you know, be a family man, his words not mine. He was working for Fox Sports doing College Football, their halftime show. Criteria to examine for struggling teams, according to Urban Meyer. There's three things he listed out. You let me know how well he's doing with all three of these. I'll start with number one, trust issues. What's the trust like in Jacksonville? Eh. Number two, dysfunctional environment. Is it functional? Eh. Three, selfishness. How's he doing on all
0: three of those? Um, I would say that he gets an F minus.
1: Now now I'm going to list a couple things. I'll do it real quickly. Events that have happened since he took the job in Jacksonville. He hired a good friend of his, Chris Doyle, as the team's director of sports performance. Doyle was then accused of making racist comments and belittling players during his time at Iowa. He received heavy backlash. He did not get fired. He resigned. That's not a good look. He then signed Tim Tebow as a tight end. All it did was cause distractions and uh, and he took reps. All it did was get Tim Tebow's name. He cut him a few weeks later. Drafted a running back in the first round, despite having James Robinson, one of the better running backs in football. I have come on to say that the running back is the most useless position in football. He signed a first round pick when he, it was not needed. I get that. They both played at Clemson, Etienne, and Lawrence. Maybe he wants that connection. It was a waste of a pick. He might be a good player. They needed an offensive line or a defensive player there. He then openly admitted that he, meaning Urban Meyer, openly admitting that he was hoping to draft Kadarius Toney with the pick they used on Travis Etienne. I I wouldn't say him and the GM agreed on that pick. He then told reporters that he cut players due to their vaccine status, the NFL Players Association, opened an investigation on those comments. He, I don't really care about this one, but he, he openly said there was a quarterback competition between Trevor Lawrence and Minshew. Minshew was getting first team reps, which were taking away from Trevor Lawrence. He then traded Minshew a couple of weeks later. They traded the number nine overall pick from just last year. It's, it was CJ Henderson. The team is currently 0-4. He didn't travel back with the team. The viral photos, and then the owner released a statement that Urban needs to gain the trust back of the players. I'd fire him right now. There's nothing he's doing for the team. There's nothing. He's done nothing successful in his time at Jacksonville. He's been an utter and complete failure. I would embarrass him by firing him right now because you know deep down he doesn't give a shit if you fire him right now. He'll take the couple months off to be a family man. That's in quotes for the people that can't see me. And he'll he'll go back to college and act like nothing ever happened because that's what he always does.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that is Ben Gorwitz right there. Ben, I think that is the best segment I've heard you ever do. Like, you you literally made me not even think twice about giving Urban Meyer a second chance. You said that to Khan right now. I guarantee you he would fire him. I mean, uh, there's no way to argue a hollow, what you said. He's a
1: Hall of Fame coach. Hall of Fame coach. No mm-hmm. doubt about it.
0: But, but he's, he's not, not a, a
1: good human being.
0: No, he's not a good human being, and he's not a good NFL coach. Ben and I were texting today, and we both agreed that this should be Joe Brady's job and everything going on this season and last season and the season before that all back up Joe Brady is to be the next Jags head coach. We'll get back to discussing this once he gets fired, but let's put it this way. Urban Meyer should be out of there. That was a terrible move. And, and I'll,
1: I'll comment just real quick on Joe Brady. The last three quarterbacks he's worked with, he took Joe Burrow, who had a average to good junior season, to having one of the best seasons in college football history and winning a national championship with Joe Burrow. Uh, then he went to the NFL, took an offensive coordinator job with the Panthers, made Teddy Bridgewater. Not only did he get Teddy Bridgewater a good contract with Denver, they're, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure what they're paying him, but he turned Teddy Bridgewater into a starting quarterback once he kept him as a starting quarterback. They were also very good at covering the spread. Shout out Matt Rule on that as well. Then he gets Sam Darnold, who does nothing successful in New York, and Sam Darnold's currently leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns as a quarterback. And the Panthers are 3-1 playing great football, also covering the spread in every week except for this past week. He obviously knows what he's doing with working with quarterbacks. Why would you not pair him up with the guy that everyone thinks as a god in Trevor Lawrence?
0: Yeah, it, it makes too much sense, honestly. Don't tell him that. It makes, it makes way too much sense. Anyway, let's uh, talk about some stuff that happened on the field this week. And yeah. I think the first one I want to make here quickly before we get to my biggest point of this entire podcast with NFL wise, Ben Big Ben looks absolutely terrible. I mean, it's time. I don't know what the Mike Tomlin, to hang him up. Yeah, Mike Tomlin produced a statement earlier today and said he puts us in the best situation to win. I mean, Big Ben looks absolutely terrible in this game. This Steelers offense, they got a big play for a touchdown. Other than that, they didn't score, they scored three points and then scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter during garbage time. Big Ben was 26 for 14 or 26 for 40 for 232 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Those stats don't do him justice. He was absolutely awful out there. I mean, it just looks terrible. He looks like he looks worse than Peyton Manning did that last season he was playing when he shouldn't be playing anymore. That's what Big Ben looks like out there. But honestly, worse. worse than
1: Drew Brees did.
0: Yeah, he looks – Big Ben is, is looks worse than Manning and Breeze did in that final season. I mean, those guys at least had good defenses and could give their defenses a chance to win them the game. Ben can't even do that for him. He's a turnover machine. He also had a fumble as well that led to a quick Packers score. Not only is it a turnover machine, but he can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Ben, do you not agree with me? Time to get him the hell out of there?
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. And there's also, if you play Haskins and he stinks as well, then maybe you try – you really already. You already know what you have with Rudolph. He's been with that organization Horrible. for a couple of years. But if you if you find Haskins and he sucks, that tells you that he's not your option for the future either because Big Ben is obviously done after this year. You can't – the Steelers are too proud of an organization. You cannot let Ben retire and not have a quarterback plan after this. You cannot – if their plan is to let Big Ben ride out the rest of the year and struggle with him and just be bad, And then you're just going to start Haskins next year. What if he's bad through the first three games? Then you've accomplished absolutely nothing. So I would at least see what you got with Haskins. If he's bad, then you got to find a quarterback. Because Mason Rudolph is not a franchise quarterback either. You don't have one on the roster at that point. If you think you can just luck into free agency and and just find your guy, you know, there's a guy – there's one guy that can really – you can snap your fingers, put him in any organization – he plays for the
0: Green Bay Packers. Wow. That's it. Wow. That's it. Imagine that. Wow.
1: You can look at Denver as a great example. I know that the Steelers, there's probably a lot more players who would play for the Steelers organization over Denver just because of the Steelers or their fans are everywhere. Although Denver is a pretty prideful organization. Denver has really, really struggled in the free agency and in the draft with quarterbacks. It's not easy to just go out and find a guy like like the Steelers are. What their plan looks like right now, they could be bad for a while if if they don't have a quarterback plan.
0: Hey, Matt Ryan could be available. Um, anyway, will be will be available. Yeah, will be available here very soon. Um,
1: Kirk, Kirk Cousins could be available too.
0: Kirk Cousins. I mean, he didn't play well this last week, but Kirk Cousins had been balling before that. But anyway, they're gonna blow spe- it up. Spe- oh, they're gonna blow it up. Definitely is
1: going to be gone. They're blowing everything up.
0: No, it's definitely about that time if the season continues the way it is. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, though, the rookie quarterbacks, Ben and I talked about how awful they were last week. Rookie quarterbacks, four and against the spread. Obviously, Mac Jones and uh Trevor Lawrence coming up short, but we do have yeah. Zach Wilson and Justin Fields getting their first NFL victories, starting a full game for Justin Fields because he technically came in relief against the Bengals and won. But These guys finally got some wins, Ben. Um, Look, I'm going to say this. I was most impressed with Mac Jones. Don't get me wrong. It was pouring down rain, and it was a sloppy, ugly game. But he was still under pressure that entire game. He has no real weapons in his offense. And him and Belichick found a way to move the ball up and down the field this entire game. The one thing that this concerns me, though, is the fact that Belichick just started to kick that field goal at the end of regulation. You know, I really felt like that was his way of saying he didn't have faith in Mac Jones to get it. Because you know for sure they're not going to run the ball. I'm pretty sure they had negative rush yards, or at least they did all night when they kept showing the stats they had negative rush yards. I mean, I felt like it was a no-brainer to go for it. There was no way Nick Folk, I don't even, I would have bet Nick Folk would miss that in a dome with no weather whatsoever, let alone Mm -hmm. in pouring down rain when it looked like the rain was going at its worst, you know? I thought that was really stupid to go ahead and try to kick it right there. I feel like you should have gone back to Mac attack one more time.
1: So, yeah, I I agree with you on Mac. I'll talk about him real quick. Uh, Not only was the weather just awful conditions. I talked about before the matchup, we were previewing it that I thought he had a lot of pressure on him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's playing against Tom Brady. I think the crowd still loves Tom Brady there, but they want to win football games in New England. So, you know, he outplayed, I mean, he kind of outplayed Tom Brady, at least that's why he did. I thought, I was very impressed with Mac Jones. I know that he, you know, checked downs a little bit more mm-hmm. than some other receivers, but it's been working for them. Um, my most impressive rookie, I'm going to go Zach Wilson. He threw, some of his passes that he threw were exactly the reason why he was drafted number two overall. And if you, if you just, I don't want to say close your eyes because you had to see the play, but the plays where he was rolling out to his right and threw bombs down the field, one was for a long completion, one was for a touchdown. That's why there were some comparisons to, not to the player, Patrick Mahomes, but the style of passer that he can mm-hmm. be. The roll him outside of the pocket, doesn't matter if his feet are set, he could throw it 50, 60 yards downfield with accuracy. That's why he was drafted number two overall. I was happy to see him get his first win. He still threw an interception, and it wasn't a very good one, but He corrected it. He won a tough football game in the second half in the fourth quarter. He shined. And you know what? I was very impressed with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I was very impressed with the way he played as well. I actually couldn't believe he pulled out. I watched the very beginning of the game and like, the first two drives. He was two for five with an interception and five yards passing. And I was just sitting there. I was like, man, he is so freaking terrible. And then next thing I know – my red zone flips over mid third quarter and he's throwing that bomb you're talking about. I was like, wow, what a play. I mean, I was absolutely impressed too with Zach Wilson because he did it himself. See Justin Fields more just replied on that power run game with David Montgomery running all over a terrible lions team and Jared Goff becoming a turnover machine. Once again, I think he had like, he either had three turnovers or they turned it over on downs twice in the red zone, but regardless, I thought Matt. I thought that Zach Wilson and Mac Jones were the two most impressive of all the rookie QBs. I mean, Trey Lance even got in there, threw a seventy-six yard touchdown to Debo Samuel, so he did a little something. Yeah, this two week.
1: touchdowns, yeah.
0: But yeah, we're seeing all the rookies play a lot better. And look, I thought Trevor Lawrence played a great game too on Friday, yeah. n- on Thursday night. I thought he did everything he could. I mean, that offensive line is terrible. He's back there running around for his life. I thought he had a lot of good plays on the ground. He actually has some good receivers around him that can make some plays for him. Like, imagine if Mac Jones had that receiving core he has. Like, it's like we said earlier that defense and offensive line is terrible. That's Jacksonville's problem.
1: Yeah, and with the Bears, just real quick, they Matt Nagy wasn't calling plays. He resorted to his actual offense coordinator calling plays. That's why I think the game plan was a lot better for Fields, mm-hmm. and he was able to do things. Now, of course, Matt Nagy, the moron that he is, is still going to start Andy Dalton as soon as he's healthy. He's very close to being healthy. I had an issue with Matt Nagy's press conference. I don't know if you saw it, but he was very I, Me I, too. I, and, and not we um didn't really give any credit to his offensive coordinator he he did say the the guy I, i'm sorry i don't know his name but said the guy called it a, a great game but in meetings matt nagy he was like yeah, i have the final word on what play we're running i do this i do this he's it, i'd fire him too he's there's no <laughs> there's no class with him whether they win or lose there's no class at all He says the same thing every week i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure i do the best thing for the bears organization to get us a win I mean, you haven't won very often in your head coaching career. So he's like Dan Quinn. He says the same thing every week and nothing ever changes. As soon as Andy Dalton comes back to be the quarterback or as soon as Matt Nagy goes back to call and plays, it's going to be the Bears all over again. And speaking of the Bears, kind of unfortunately and fortunately, because, you know, unfortunately, David Montgomery did get hurt, which if Fields continues to start, that's kind of bad news for him since David Montgomery is a very good running back. It looked really bad. The first report is that he does not have a torn ACL, so that's the fortunate part that he did not tear his ACL. Unfortunately, they're doing another scope on it, another MRI. Okay. Um, it did not look good. Um, so I, I hope he gets back. I love watching David Montgomery run the football, good in the pass catcher, and he helps out Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, uh, whoever's playing quarterback. So the Bears need him to at least compete in games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you completely on that, Ben. That was one of those guys that me and you were all over, too, for fantasy. Remember, we were pointing out how much better he got in the second half of last season. Um, let's kind of talk. I know we obviously didn't put this on like the, on like on our script or anything, but I want to talk about my biggest surprise of the entire weekend. That was the Saints losing at home to the Giants. I looked at this game. I was like, wow, the Giants have so many injuries in their offensive line. They don't have Sterling Shepard. I forget who else they were down to. They're down another receiver as well. Uh, I think Darius Slayton was out as well. And then I was like, wow, this is the Saints' first game back in the Superdome. I was like, ah, that's going to be a blowout. I didn't even really look into the game anymore after that. Daniel Jones went off Daniel yeah, Jones he's, had he's been four, playing well, yeah, 402 yards, two touchdowns. Galladay goes off 116 yards receiving, and Saquon Barkley absolutely went off as he had the game winning touchdown catch. I mean, Ben Danny Dimes has been getting a lot of crap from everybody, and he's starting to really put it together. I mean, re, uh, last week I started him in every single fantasy league and he let me down. Of course, I replaced him with Baker or Kirk Cousins in every league this week, and he does this. I mean, it's but I mean, Ben. How about Daniel Jones, man?
1: This is what he's done, man. Uh, he he played very well. I thought he played very well against the Falcons, um, and then I thought he played pretty well against the uh, Washington Football. He played actually he played outstanding against the Washington Football yeah. Team. He had three back to back to back weeks where he's played very good football. I think he's leading the NFL in QBR at the moment. He's, Boy, he's keeping, the, keeping the fumbles down. He. That was his main problem. Quarterbacks are going mm-hmm. to throw interceptions, specifically when your offensive line is not playing well. It's a lot harder. His offensive line has been outstanding the last couple of weeks. And so have Daniel Jones's numbers. It's a direct correlation. Their offensive line, I don't think Daniel Jones was sacked all of last week and he had a great game against the Saints. I'm like you, I was shocked. The Saints lost a game in their first game back with a, uh, with a crowd. Um, Jameis Winston didn't even play bad. Kamara had a good game. It was just, they just couldn't stop Danny Dimes. And it comes back to whether you like the NFL rules or not. Giants got the ball first in uh, overtime. They had the first shot at it and they ended up winning the football game. I've been very impressed with Daniel Jones. My worry, if I was a Giants fan, was he's looking good now. Does that mean we sign him and go through this cycle all over again? I personally think the main Giants problem and I've gotten this from my friends who are actual Giants fans, Jason Garrett's the issue. The, the play calling's not aggressive enough. Um, I, they think Daniel Jones can do even more. And unfortunately, the Giants head coach is a defensive-minded guy, so he doesn't really have much say or probably doesn't know what to say and to step in with Jason Garrett. But from what I've gathered from Giants fans that I know, they want to see the offense get even more aggressive. Jason Garrett's probably not going to change much. He is so vanilla. I, I want to go back to his Dallas Cowboys record when he was head coach. Mm-hmm. He was like, at one point, he was like, I don't know, like 50 and 50 as a head coach. Like, he's as vanilla as 500 as he gets. And there's not much creativity in his offensive play calls. Saquon looked good, though.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with you completely on that. Saquon is back. Danny Dimes is finally arrived. This Giants team, I mean, even though they're 1-3, that was a massive win. Yeah, defense is not bad there at all. Ben, one that I think – I don't remember if we talked about it or not on the podcast, but this is one that we are kind of on point with. Whenever the Panthers play an actually good team, they will get exposed. Sam Darnold and company definitely got exposed. Don't get me wrong, they made this game look close because they scored 14 points in a fourth quarter that were absolutely meaningless points as they were garbage time points. But how about this Dallas defense, man? This Dallas defense is legit. And honestly pisses me off because Dan Quinn was so bad coaching defense while he's in Atlanta. Clearly shows you that he couldn't handle both the head coach and defensive coach um, responsibilities. He should only do one or the other. Um, but, I mean, how about this Dallas defense? Mika Parsons and Trayvon Diggs are the biggest difference makers, and they're the rookies. Or I guess Diggs is a second-year player. But. Yeah,
1: Diggs is a second-year, but, it, you know, I, I watched him in Alabama. Um, you obviously can guess who his brother is. Stephon. One of the top receivers. Yeah, one of the top receivers in the NFL. I mean, he's special. He, he's getting put in the right opportunities. You know, he was a wide receiver when he first got to Alabama. Yep. And the uh, the room was a little too crowded, so Saban ended up flipping him to cornerback, and it's worked out ever since. I mean, he was a terrific corner once he kind of learned the position. Took him a little while. I think his junior and senior year at Alabama, he had very good years. Dallas took a chance on him, and it's worked out. I mean, right now, he's the favorite to win defensive player of the year. Obviously, it's insanely early, but you can put him up there in one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. Right now he's number one, maybe co-A, co-B with Jalen Ramsey. But he's one of the best in the NFL. He's getting his hands on the football. Michael Parsons, honestly, I had him as my defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. He deserves so much more praise for what he's doing than I think people realize. He is not a defensive end. Not at all. Never was. And he is succeeding at it very, very well against the run. And he's getting pressure on the quarterback. He's just so athletic. He's so fast. Um, major, major credit, major props to him for, for being willing to switch the position when a team needs him. It's still that dog mentality to just go fight. It, he's given up weight. Like these offensive linemen probably have a decent amount of weight on him. It's not mattering. He, he's in really almost in every single play, whether he's lined up on the line or at linebacker. This Dallas defense is special. It helps if the division's not great. So I think their defense will look really, really good in in division since Washington, New York, and um, why am I forgetting the last Philly. Team? Philly. None of those teams have an explosive offense, but so far so good with the Dallas defense. We'll see if they can keep it going. Their offense is ooh, lights out, man.
0: Oh yeah, that offense is nasty. Ben, another team that has a nasty offense, and it might even be more impressive that they're 3-0 this season on the road. 4-0 and overall is a team I know you want to talk about, Arizona Cardinals. Ben, what's making the Cardinals so good this season?
1: It's, uh, it's Kyler Murray's taking the next step. He, he's been he's been really good since he stepped in the league. Now it's he's got a better understanding, I think, of, of what to do when he's outside the pocket. He literally is taking no hits at all this year. He is scampering outside of the pocket. He is sliding. I've mentioned this multiple times. He's a former baseball player. He's got drafted twice. He's got a very good baseball slide. Some quarterbacks don't know how to do that. He gets down whenever he can. He does not like to take hits. He's insanely tough to sack. AJ. Green's been a difference maker on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't even been fully healthy and this receiving core has been great. man he he scampers around like it's it's the easiest thing for him. And that's the biggest thing from college to pro is people think that they're faster. When they get, you know, you you were faster than everyone in college football. Do you think you can be faster than everyone? Like there's a lot of defensive ends who are faster than quarterbacks in the NFL. No one can even lay a finger on Kyler Murray. He's that special. I still, not only is the division really hard, I still am not 100% of a believer in Cliff Kingsbury when it comes down to big game coaching Mm -hmm. situations. So I still think if you ask me who's the best team, In the NFC, specifically in this division, I still think it's the Rams. But the Arizona Cardinals are after a great start. They're a lot of fun to watch. I am team Kyler Murray 100% of the way.
0: Yeah, Ben, I agree with you completely on this one. Kyler Murray is taking the next step in his kind of maturation as a quarterback. Look, Kyler Murray was dominating the league last year. He's probably the league MVP until he got hurt. I think that had to do a lot of it. As long as he can stay healthy, this team's going to be great. We both said we like the way this team was made. They have great pass rushers with Chandler Jones and with uh, – um, DJ. JJ yeah, JJ Watt they have secondary that flies around and makes plays that's the way you build a team in the NFL it's a lot of how the Chargers looked last night and why I like the Chargers so much as well yeah. hey Ben your team looked good last night man that was Ben's sleeper team to make the playoffs so I didn't have them in yet um, yeah but
1: I was stupid and bet against them why did oof. I do that I've been saying there's at least three episodes on this pod, on our podcast where I've said I love the Chargers love the Chargers love the Chargers I picked against them so I was an idiot on that shout out to the Chargers they look great
0: Hey, trust me, it happens, Ben. I was I took your advice and bet with them last night. But, yeah, I love what this Arizona team. Honestly, the thing that makes this Arizona team so scary is the playmakers. They have Chase Edmonds is basically another wide receiver. Then you have James Conner if you need to run it between the tackles. But, I mean, you have basically four wide receivers, and one of them has, happens to be DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore looks like an absolute stud as a rookie. This team's pretty hard to stop. It's pretty much pick your poison at this point with them. I think that this Cardinals team is going to be really good. I mean, we both picked them to make the playoffs, so – Team's looking on point as of right now. Um Ben, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here?
1: I'm not sure if I did have them in my did I have them in in my playoffs? I can check real quick. I'm I'm not
0: not sure sure. if I did. I know I picked them. I don't know if I picked Seattle or not. I'm pretty sure I I
1: have. I did not. I have Seattle. Okay which it's a must win game for my prediction for them to make the playoffs this Thursday night. They play the Rams must win for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Must win for them. It's going to be a crazy game. Um, Don't forget guys, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are the best primetime team in all of NFL. Keep that in mind when you want to bet on a public side with the Rams there. That's going to be all I'm going to say on that one.
1: Yeah. But how, what's the defense like?
0: (laughs) sometimes it just some sometimes you just got to let Russ cook when the Seahawks are at home in prime time which is this situation just let Russ cook baby Ben let's get up out of here today it's been another great podcast we have an absolutely massive podcast coming this weekend massive one coming Friday be probably five college football games on there maybe talking a little MLB playoffs we got our Braves in there Ben's doing the tomahawk chop right now and on top of that we got a whole another NFL slate that includes the Bills versus the Chiefs on Sunday night football so yeah. don't get much better than that we'll see everyone later